Okay, hello everybody and welcome to episode 20 of the Hunger for the Hustle podcast. It's my absolute pleasure to welcome you all along, whether you're watching live now or later, wherever you are in the world, let us in the comments where you're at and where you're coming from. It is my absolute pleasure and honor to be joined today by my friend, Pia Eric Collier. This man is a proud dad, husband, and pop-pop, as they like to call him, a military veteran, motivator, speaker, and life coach, known by his co-workers as the mayor, and I want to know the story behind that one. <laughs> Eric connects, empowers, and inspires others to strive forward into reaching their definition of success. Live from Washington, how are you, sir? Oh man, boom, just like that, man. We're global. We're global, baby. That's good. Global, yeah. Well, hey, we got hey. 11 a.m. here in Melbourne. I know it's 9 p.m. 9 p.m. there in Washington, D.C. Yes, yes, man. Hey, first off, thank you very much for having me on. I really appreciate you uh with the invite, man. That's that's really I'm really grateful for that. And I applaud you. If everybody, please give Jake a round of applause. His birthday was last week. He left his job last week. He stood on stage with Les Brown. Well, a virtual stage, but he stood on stage with Les Brown. Man, this dude is bad. He's on his way to do his thing. And I love the title of the show, Hunger for the Hustle. You're an awesome dude, man. Thanks, brother. I appreciate your kind words. The show would be nothing without its guests. So thank you for being here. Thank you for coming on. We're going to dive deep into your story today. You've lived right. a, a colorful, interesting life with many, many roles and many different <laughs> things you've done. And we're going to dive into it and, and show this audience what you do and how you do it. All right. Now, hey, I'll, touch on, I'll touch on the mayor thing real quick. So yeah, go for it. If you if you ever talk to my mom, she'll tell you I don't know I don't know any strangers. Uh, and it started up from the age of four. We believe from my dad. My mom loves to talk, but it takes a while to get her going. My dad, he'll talk to everybody. But at four years old, we're flying uh, to Oklahoma. And this is her story. And she lets me go to the bathroom by myself as a four-year-old. And uh, she says, go in and come out. And she says, she's standing there. She's waiting. She's standing there. She's waiting. And finally, she said, look, I got to go know what's going on with my son. And she says she opens the door and she hears me talking. My dad is in. My dad is at home. My dad is at home. <laughs> But I haven't stopped all of my report cards. Uh, you ever look at them? One thing it always says is that Eric would be such a great student if he quit talking in class. So I've always talked. I talk a lot. My the mayor came from. I've been a gov. I was a government contractor from '99 to 2016, and so worked for two different organizations. And no matter who I was with, wherever we would go, I knew somebody or I was talking to somebody, and so. A lot of the guys that I worked with would say, hey, man, I'm not walking the hall with you to the cafeteria because we'll never get there or we'll never get back. <laughs> and so both two different organizations, different companies. And they said, hey, the, the mayor of wherever we were working. And that was hilarious. So they, they, that's what I got. <laughs> I, love it. I love it. So you get that. Do so you get the, the your your what's the word I'm looking for? You get the linguistic side from your dad. Yeah. He's the talker. Yeah, my dad talks to anybody, man. And I, I, I noticed that we were down in uh, he's living in Greenville, North Carolina. And he said, I had to go out and go take care of some things. So we go out and everywhere we went, he stopped. Hey, how you doing? Hey, how you doing now? And the funny part is I'm sitting here. 
man, will you come on so we can go? <laughs> yeah, when you're a little younger, you're a bit, a bit more impatient, right? And you just got to keep things going and flowing. Onto the oh, next. man. I've always yeah. been, I've been, always had ants in my pants, man. Sitting down is not my forte. It bothers me for a little while. Um, my mom used to have quiet time because I talked so much and was always running around. And she would say, look, sit down, be quiet for about five minutes. And she knew I was going to sleep else that happened. <laughs> <laughs> it's either 100 or asleep, yeah. Yeah, man. And you're absolutely right. I mean, you're standing up today, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Now, one momentum shift that is your that is your company, that is your business, and that is the website onemomentumshift.com. Tell us about one momentum shift. I know you help people achieve their goals and, and figure out what their goals are. So tell us a little bit more about how you do that. So one momentum shift, man, if you ever look at it, you know, we're only one momentum shift away. Life is about ebbs and flows, right? You you get going sometimes, and sometimes you get you hit a block, a roadblock. Right. You, you you look at boxing, man. You look at boxing. I sat and watched a fight in 2013, I believe 2013, 2014, which was the fight of the year. You had a fighter who was getting his butt kicked for three rounds. Right. They wanted to stop the fight. The, everybody was trying to figure out why they didn't stop it. for the next eight rounds. He turned that fight around and kicked the dude's butt. But he just had to get through the first three rounds, get a few punches in. And that's what we have to do sometimes because we get going in life and we find ourselves stuck. Oh, man, uh, I was around 30 years old when um, when it was brought to my attention that I was stuck. So <laughs> I had a guy standing in my living room. His name's Earl, man. I love him to death to this day. And he turned to me. He said, what have you done over the course of the last five years that has changed your income significantly? And I looked at him. I said, nothing. You know, I was just going to work every day on my daily grind. And he said, well, what are you doing now to change things? Nothing. I didn't feel I needed to do anything. I knew I was robbing, uh, struggling to pay Peter, uh, rob Peter and pay Paul to get my bills paid and everything. But the way I figured it, if I just worked a little bit harder at work, I get the promotions and things will come. Right. Things have changed. And so he said, if you don't, he said, if you keep doing the same thing you've been doing now, what do you think your next five, 10, 15 years are going to look like? And that's when it hit me. I'm like, oh, man, you can't tell me I'm going to be doing this for another five, 10 or 15 years. And so at that point, man, yeah, reality set in. I'm like, man. So my first question was, hey, man, how do we change this? Right. <laughs> and so from that point on, he took me on this uh, personal development change, man. He in introduced me to Les Brown, Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn and Brian Tracy. And it just changed my world around. Um, the funny part was getting me to buy into it, getting me to buy into the positivity that, that was that the mindset that was going on, get, getting me to believe that I could accomplish so much more. I, I barely graduated, I graduated high school, right? I wasn't a stellar student. Trust me. I took geometry twice, twice, barely graduated, the, or barely passed it the second time. I believe Miss Townsend actually passed me just so she can get me out of her class from sleeping and everything. <laughs> but I, 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 like I said, I, I made it through high school and that was it, man. I wasn't doing anything else. You know, I went to the military. I did my thing in the military. I perform, but sometimes you just need a new percept new perspective about things, right? Yeah, you, know, sure. when you need, you know, it's life is about new perspectives, and sometimes it can be given to you. Sometimes you can do it on your own. Um, <laughs> I look at uh, one of the big big perspectives I was given, or new perspectives I was given when I was in boot camp, eighteen years old. 
I was an angry dude, man. I was, I always wanted to fight if I lost, lose my cool, you know? And so I didn't really know how to manage my, my temper. And so we're in boot camp and they decided what they call beat us up in the hallways, right? So that's push-ups, sit-ups till we pass out. And that day I was ticked off. I didn't do anything. And so the guy said, put your hands on the wall and do these push-ups. And he said, I want them right here. I said, well, what difference does it make as long as I do? And he said, oh, you want to fight? And so I said, yeah, let's go. And so, <laughs> so he walked us down to the hall and we walked into this bay. And as we get into this bay, he's walking ahead of me. And I happen to notice all these other drill sergeants start circling up. Mm-hmm. And he turns around. He said, you ready to go? And it's at that moment I looked around and I saw these drill sergeants standing there, one of them being a bodybuilder who was blocking the light. And I looked at him and I go, so you want me to go back on the push-ups and put my hands right here, right? <laughs> still like, I don't want no parts of that. And after that, they didn't have any problem out of me. I did what I needed to do and I even advanced afterwards, but you got to get a new perspective sometimes. And in life, man, especially nowadays, you go back to March and I'm probably just rambling, man. I apologize if I don't answer your question. Uh, but you go back to March when this whole quarantine shut down, right? This quarantine shut down, man, it changes some lives, man. It changes, it changes some things for some households. I look at real estate around here and people's houses are going up for, for uh, they're in foreclosure. You got people who, you got over 50 million people who have uh, filed for unemployment, right? Who are, are, who are out of a job. You have businesses closed without knowing whether or not they're going to open up. Some of them won't open up. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and, those, and these are some businesses that have been around for years. Right. And so I even work and I work as a government contractor during the day. And I had contractors that came on board, just signed a contract simply because or just joined the team because they knew they were on this five year contract and it had just started. So for five years, they were good to go. They were gone within six months. man. You know, so in that six month time frame, they're gone. And so. Mm-hmm. You got to get a new perspective on things. What are you going to do when that happens? Uh, how are you going to change your life around? You know, you you looking at having an income that you were struggling on when you were getting 100 percent. Now you're getting less with unemployment and some unemployment is going away. You're not getting the the um, waiver for rent and things like that. So what are you going to do now? And that's a huge question that people have to answer. And over this last six months, if you haven't done anything, you really missed an opportunity the opportunity in the problem. Yeah, exactly right. You know, you'll get opportunities provided to you cleverly disguised as obstacles and challenges. That's a great <laughs> quote, which I've just completely messed up, but I'm sure I'll get to it if I went. <clears throat> it's all good, man. I, I figure it's a heck of a try is better than none at all. That's right, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think what you touched on there is absolutely right, you know, what I've, have some people just shrunk in this time and, and been absorbed by the fear and, and everything that's being fed to us in the media? I don't really watch that media anyway. But it's easy to be, even if you don't watch it, because you get it from, you know, your your friends, your partners, everyone, you know, they're feeding it to you if they're watching it. It's easy to become absorbed by it yeah. and get lost in the doldrums of it. Yeah. And, yeah. and some of it, you know, um, it's just... It's a great time for growth, I think. That's yeah. what I've done. That's what I've done yeah. with it. I've gone within, figured out some things I wanted to figure out, um, learned some things, connected with some people that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to connect with, you know, particularly some yeah. high profile people. They're a lot more available this yeah. time. 
Yeah. So yeah, altering your yeah. perspective. Yeah, man. It's um, I, I agree with you. I, I said back so back in March. So when our schedules, work schedule changed, right? I work I work as a government analyst during the day, and I work as a custodian for four hours after that every day. Now it's five days a week, right? And so. I've never had the time to really focus on what I want to do. Speaking is what I wanted to do since I was 2000, 2004, right? So I met Les Brown. I met Les Brown, right? And first of all, uh, uh, Earl introduced me to a lot of his teachings. So I went to my my car. I'm in my car listening to cassette tapes. That's what tells you how I'm 51 years old. So I've been around for a while, cassette yeah. tape. Right? So, <laughs> so automobile university that's where i lived right yeah. i'm in my car for an hour a day i might as well do something so i cut down the music and i started listening to uh professional development and at that time it was called self-help so you're really embarrassed going in the library to get it because people self-help. thought you had a problem yeah. right <laughs> self-help yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so you know, I need any help, and now I'm trying to find it myself. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's kind of, and everybody thinks, like I said, everybody thinks is hoorah, 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 but yeah, it's yeah. not all that, man. It's about mindset, perspective, identifying, assessing yourself, assessing your performance. But anyway, I started listening to that, and I got a chance to. Uh, my mom gave me Les Brown's book, Live Your Dreams. Now, I wasn't a big reader. Earl asked me what I was reading. And at that time, I had only read one book cover to cover, and that was uh, The the Godfather, right? (laughs) After that, I wasn't interested in reading. Like I said, I'll fall asleep. But which is funny because my mom and my aunts love to read. They love reading. But so my mom gave me this book. So matter of fact, she gave me two books. She gave me Les Brown's book, right? Live Your Dreams. And then she gave me this big, thick book by Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, What Makes the Great Great. Now, this big, thick book, I wasn't trying to read that. So I tried to read every book that I had that was small. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I kept pushing this book away. And so I started reading. Uh, I read Les Brown's book and I was excited, man. I, I, I had, oh, man, I, I, I could I, I could, could, re, could relate, but I could, you know, I, I didn't go through all of his life's experiences, but I understood what he was talking about. And he connected yeah. with me. And that's yeah. important, being able to connect. And so. I got a chance. I was at work and I followed him on, on the uh, Internet. He had uh, he'd always have these quotes and I pull up his his daily quotes. Right. And he was having an event at a local golf course where he was doing autographs. I'm like, oh, I got to make it to this. So I left work early and I'm pulled up in <laughs> I pulled up in this white Mustang LX convertible. Smoke coming out the back and everything else, right? <laughs> and until you put the smoke in there. <laughs> and he, and I pull up, and he's standing right there, the man I want to see. So I go over, and I got my book, and I'm tongue tied. Me, I right. As much as I talk, I'm tongue tied. And it was more of like, "How you doing?" He's my book. Thank you. And I walked out, right? <laughs> but. He wrote he wrote in that book. He said he said he asked me my name. And I told him, of course, and he said he, and in the book he wrote, you have greatness in you. And I was like when I got to the car and read, that, I was like, wow, this dude didn't even know me. Don't know what I've been through. Don't know who, where I'm at in life, you know, but that was cool. I, you know, you never have anybody depending on where you come from, who you grow up with or wherever you're around. You rarely have somebody say you have greatness in you and then actually 
go from there, right? Because I got a chance to meet Les Brown with uh, my son. He had a father-son event, so my son got a chance to meet him. My wife and I got a chance to go to his house. And so it was beautiful. We met his, his daughter, Ona. And so it was beautiful, man, being around that mindset for a little bit to understand how you th how he's thinking and how he's focusing on life. And so I got lost, but I'm sorry, I'm back. <laughs> so, so from that point on, man, 2004, I'm sitting in my office with a friend of mine, Sean Trice. I love him to death. He's like a mentor of mine. And we're talking about what we want to do in life. And I told him I want to be a speaker just like Les Brown. And so we start talking and we, and of course you all, you have these things you say, well, this is what I want to do. And he say, well, why don't you do it? Well, I don't have the money. Well, I don't know where to start. Well, I don't have the time. Right. And so he said, he looked at me and said, well, sooner or later, you just got to do it. And I'm like, wow. Okay. You're right. I got to do it. So at that moment on, I'm all about it. Right. So I'm coming home and I'm talking to my wife. I didn't know what I was doing. All I'm talking to my wife and kids, you can do it. You got this. You can do it. You got this. And I don't really know much more. Right. And so my wife would look at me and go, look, I ain't really got time for this right now. I don't want to hear it. I go to my kids. Hey, man, whatever you're struggling, you can get it. You can get through it. You can do it. My kids <laughs> go, yeah, right, dad. OK, whatever, man, whatever. So <laughs> I was like, man, if I can't motivate my house, I can't motivate nobody. So I pretty much went into a shell and just focused on developing myself. 2009 rolls around. I got Les Brown on the phone and he's talking about coaching. He likes to say, Hey man, you have a nice voice. Love to work. He said, well, I could, I could work with you. I could teach you how to speak. Right. And I was like, no, 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 no. Cause right. <laughs> Fear setting in, right. Doubting yourself. Right. Yeah. And so now I get laid off in 2013, man, devastating 11 months straight, 11 months, two weeks where I didn't have a full-time job working part-time job, trying to make things happen, trying to encourage my wife, look, we're going to get through this. Don't worry about it. I get back to work, work five months, get laid off again, <laughs> get back to work and get laid off. So during that time, 2016 finally rolls around and I get an opportunity to go to a get motivated event. I'm like, man, that'd be great. I get a chance to go to one of those. I'd seen Zig Ziglar at one before. Right. And so I, I go that. and Willie Jolly's there. Right. A setback is a setup for a comeback, the man, right? Damon John, the shark himself, right? The power of broke. Love his book. I want you to definitely the power of broke. And then who forecloses it out? Les Brown. So I listen to Les Brown and I tell my wife, it's on. I'm, from here, I'm going on. I'm going on. I'm doing this. I call up Les Brown because I kept his number. I call him and say, Mr. Brown, this is Eric Collier. I talked to you before 2009. I wasn't ready then, but I'm ready to go now. He said, are you ready to pay for what you need to pay for to get yourself started? Um, not right now, Mr. Brown. I'll talk to you later. <laughs> <laughs> but from that moment on, I just started working on content. I started working on content because I yep. knew eventually it was going to come. I was yep. teaching. I was teaching uh, as, as, as a contractor. I was teaching. So I used that stage to get myself ready. And so fast forward. Here we are now. Oh, and I had opportunities at my. Uh, when I transferred another job to speak. And so I use those opportunities to get myself ready. I use their classes and hope they're not too many people I work with are listening, but I use their classes to help perfect my skill set. Right. And so 2020 comes around the, the March, the shutdown comes and I tell everybody on my video that I had been saying I was going to do videos for a year. I finally did my first video in March and I told everybody 
this shutdown is an opportunity to get to get to do the things that you want to do in life. And the yeah. one opportunity I had was that my time was freed up. I had no more excuses. Yeah. And so that's why I started doing what I did. I popped out th 13 videos and it was ferocious, man. It was tough because they're all on your YouTube channel, right? Yes, they're on my YouTube channel. One under uh, one, one, one momentum shift. And that's where it's at. Um, and then also my website, they're also posted on my website. One momentum shift, number one, followed by momentumshift.com as well. That's but, right there in the comments. I've got to get this up on the screen because I believe this is your niece. Can you see that? Sherelle, <laughs> there you go. You hey, got hey, Sherelle, Destiny, <laughs> and my man. And my man so, yeah, Sherelle's my my very first niece, uh, my daughter's uh, daughter. And, uh, yeah, that's cool. Thank you, baby. Well, you answered the first one. That's how Momentum Shift started, right? It started basically the idea was conceived in 2009. And you got you. So you started doing content in 2009 or you started. Doing no, content? no, I did not. Um, you know, life happens, man. So 2009, my wife got laid off. Right. And so uh, we're recovering from that 2013. That's when I got laid off. So when she got laid off, it was devastating. It was it was a big blow to us. But I still had it. Right. And I, I started working my part time job as a custodian. And when I got laid off, man, that changed the game big time. And you're talking about an emotional roller coaster. Mm. Imagine going. Imagine your last day at work and you got your the people standing there, the people being clients. Right. Saying, hey, if you need anything, let me know. I'll be glad to help you out. Here's my car. Call me. Right. I'm like, all right, cool. Great. So I'm thinking. I'll be back to work in no time. This is how this contractor thing works, right? You yeah, leave, yeah. And they bring you back on a new one. Yeah. And so you got you set up. You're going to talk to this guy. So call in, talk to this guy, interview with the guy. Week goes by, I call back. The dude quit. He didn't come back. So that was November, right before Thanksgiving. And so we roll in the, into uh, Christmas and the new person never comes in. I finally get a hold of the new person in January. And they say, hey, look. The government client doesn't want want to bring you back on. They had changed the they had changed the whole uh, position around, so they didn't want me back on. I'm like, wait a minute, I see this guy in the gym all the time, and he's like, hey Eric, how's everything going? How's everything going with the job hunt? How blah blah. So when you it blew me away to find out he's the one telling them they didn't want me back. But ah. you know what? Uh, my mom always say kill him with kindness, so I didn't yep. get mad at him. Every time I saw him, hey, how's it going, man? How's everything going? I went through that whole time frame and I had a, I had a real close friend, friend of mine uh, who I work with. And I went through that whole time frame where we were struggling, man, big time, struggling to keep the house. Uh, I'm working part time gigs. I'm working with UPS, man. If you want to work your butt off, go work with UPS for during the, the dead, dead heat of the summertime. Oh, my gosh. And then. <laughs> <laughs> Woo, man, man, man. But anyway, so um we're running around, man. We we got I'm I'm coming to the door and the guy's knocking on my door. He wants to take pictures of my house because it's gonna go in foreclosure. I got oh. bills coming to everywhere, guys coming to cut off my electric, coming off oh. cutting water, man. Then dude, it's just man. And the meanwhile, you know, my wife, she's struggling to get everything together here because it's just she's like, oh my god, we're gonna lose everything. This is just going away here. 
And so my role was to be strong, to kind of keep her, to keep her, you know, hey, look, we got this. We're going to get through this. And so I came up with this concept of mindset, actions, results, control what I can control and see it through what I call marks. And so that's how I operated. And one of the biggest parts of that is, you know, when things happen, you know, what do you say? Life is 10 percent of what happens to you, 90 percent of what how you react. Right. Right. And so the big thing was, look, I can only control what I can control. Right. These yeah. cats coming to get their money. I told I told the bill collector, man, he said he said, hey, sir, you haven't paid your bill. What, what's going on? I said, look, I don't have a job. He said, well, when can you pay the bill? When I get a job. <laughs> I don't know. I'll call you and let you. I'll call you when I find out, right? <laughs> so, yeah. So I got to say, man, look, I'm not gonna worry about these people. They're not gonna drive me nuts. So I just start focusing on the main thing, which was how I could react and what I could do next, right? And all I know is go to work. When something's happening, I learned that from my parents. When something's going down, you just go to work and you figure it out later, right? And that's what I did. And so that's where my whole mindset is wrapped around now my whole goal my whole mission is to help others who find themselves in the same situation i found myself when i was 30 right where i'm going through the daily grind on a daily basis not focusing on any goals i don't have i'm not doing anything to grow that growth mindset you talk about man so many people miss the boat on that something you miss in school right in school, I was always, I don't know why I got to do all this school stuff because I'm not going to use it when I leave high school. But one thing you don't realize was, is school is teaching you, you're going to be a student for life. Yeah, right? Where have you heard that, right? That's right? true. Our friend, right? Our friend, Mrs. I, I'm going to say her name wrong, Mrs. Crow, right? Joanna? <laughs> right? Oh, yeah. From, yeah. Right? From victim to champion. That's her, right? But yeah. You're going to be a student for life and you don't realize that until, until you start understanding why you're getting left behind, why your salary is not increasing like everybody else's, why you're not getting what you want to get in life. It's because you don't have the right mindset. You have the right. You have the mindset of this is what it's way it's been. This is the way it's always going to be. Right. My parents lived a life like this where they're robbing Peter and pay Paul. This is how I'm going to live. Maybe I can do a little bit better. Right. I actually, I, I got to the point where I busted my butt. I got a six figure income, right? Cause I'm like, man, I got to change things. I get there and I'm like, oh, this is cool. We good. Right. And I got comfortable. Right. And when that went away, oh my gosh, you find out how far behind you are. You can't ever rest on them laurels. Oh my gosh, man. Sitting there with, sitting in these classes with uh, Grant Cardone, Today, Ty Lopez and um, Jesse Itzler and Rebecca Melka, Melka I'm going to say her name, Melka, right? Every one of these individuals who are running million dollar companies are saying the same thing. You can never rest on your laurel. That, that concept of getting comfortable in life is the worst thing you can ever do. I love what Nick Saban says. He says it's hard to teach the person, the king of the mountain, that he can do more because you want to believe that. This is all I can do. I can't be beat. But when you haven't played your best game yet, there's always room to improve. Yeah, so I think that's a great lesson. It's a dangerous place to be, resting on your laurels. It leaves you too exposed and too vulnerable. You know, yeah. because in this, this fast world we're living now, nothing's completely secure. Anything can get taken away from under your feet at any point. I mean, look at what happened this year. There'll be yeah. 
would have been people this year who had multi-million and billion dollar businesses that were pulled from under their feet within yeah. the matter of a, a few weeks or months. So, yeah, I think that's a solid lesson that at whatever level you get to and whatever level you want to get to when you get there, never yeah. be satisfied, always always stay hungry. Well, <laughs> <laughs> say it all day long, right? And I say it too, I say, I say it in this way, look, you eat when you get hungry, right? Meaning, I know when I come and talk to people, there are people that aren't going to listen to me. There are people that are not going to connect with me, right? And that's cool because there were people that I couldn't connect with as well when I started on my journey, or I say journey, but you know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> but when I started making that change, started transforming the mindset, right? There were people that I couldn't connect to. I listened to them now, but before I couldn't. But the idea is to get around those individuals who are doing something in life, right? We can all hang out on the corner. I, I tell my, I tell, I tell the class. Oh, I work. I volunteered my services to work with uh, two high schools last year, as well as a men's group, uh, along with a couple other friends of mine. And the one thing I tell tell all of them is, you know, I understand what you're what you're going through right now, right? I haven't always been someone who knows who I am and where I'm going in life. But it's important that you figure that out, because if you don't, you're going to miss out on so many opportunities. It may look nice hanging out on the streets with your buddies and everything else. But when you look at five years from now and you're still doing the same thing, 10 years from now, and you're still doing the same thing. 15 years from now, and you're still doing the same thing. You haven't advanced. You haven't changed your income. And I had, a, had one of the students say, hey, man, I could just go out and I can hustle on, on the street. I said, well. I get you on the hustle, right? You know, hustle meaning sell drugs, right? I was like, I get you on that, but there's no retirement program in that. There's no longevity in that, right? Sooner or later, you're going to get caught. Sooner or later, you're going to go to jail. Sooner or later, you may die. So the idea is to, to introduce them into a different world, and that's what we work to do with them as well. So Awesome. Love your work, man. Love your work. And it's someone asked me the other day, uh, I was on an interview with Louis Sandoval, and he asked me um, some rapid fire questions at the end, which actually I'm going to do. I didn't put these in the questions for you, so I'm going to be catching you out at the end now. I know you're ready. He asked me, what, what will my biggest fear be? What didn't know, what is my fear? And I said, living a life, living a life unfulfilled, essentially, you know, getting to the end of my life and not fulfilling all the things that I wanted to fulfill. And yeah. that, that's essentially what you've, you've touched on there, you know, living your life without achieving your goals and your dreams now. Some people don't even know what the goals and the dreams are. That's where it starts. That's where you know right. spend some time, get quiet by yourself with the pen and the paper, and just decide yeah. what you want without you know without thinking about what you need to make it happen, what 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 the limitations could be or what the restrictions could be. Just think about what you want, write it down, and start working towards it and taking action. Exactly, man. You know, you get caught up in that, and you you won't write them down. You want me to answer that question? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I was just saying, I think it's, you can let life flash you by so quick and then you get to a point where you're like, oh, yeah. I didn't get done what I wanted to get done, but I didn't actually yeah. know what I wanted to do either. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, yeah. I, 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 you know what? I'll, I'll be honest. I, I, I knew at 10th grade what I wanted to do. I wasn't willing to give up and do what I needed to do to get there. Right. I was willing to do it to a certain point. I wanted to play baseball. I knew. I love sports. I love football and I love baseball. Once I hurt my knee in my freshman year, I lost the love for football. I played it, enjoyed it, but I was more of a love for baseball. And when 
I had the opportunity to try out for the Reds and it didn't happen. I was, that was it for me, man. That was a wrap. And yeah. so it, after that, there was that thing, who am I now? Right. Why am I here? Where am I going? I was a father, you know, a year or so later and I'm raising my kids and I'm in my family, but I just didn't know who I was. And so that caused a lot of problems, man. I'm, I was drinking a lot, right? I wasn't a drunk. I was functional. I was doing my thing, but it caused a lot of problems, man. Um, in the household, my relationships, you think about your life, right? You, so you think about, we talk about journey and we talk about uh, life's game, right? Whether you believe which one you're going through, your life to me, and I loved it when I heard Ty Lopez say it today, life is a puzzle and it's our job to figure it out, right? Your life, if you take your life's journey, if you believe you're on a journey, you take your life's journey and you lay it down. You take your life's game that you've been playing and you lay it down. And when you take a look at that, I guarantee you there are areas that are going to be what, we, what I'll call a green area, right? Where you've, you've been knocking that area out. You can do that stuff in your sleep, right? Yes. And that's where yeah. you hang, right? Mm -hmm. Then there are those yellow areas where you ventured into and you've done some things here, but you didn't really accomplish much as you did in that area of your what we'll call your comfort zone, right? Then there's an area that's a red area. That red area, those things that you fear, right? Those things that you're like, oh, I'm not even trying to go over there and touch that. Or those things you don't even know about, you haven't even tapped into because you don't realize the possibilities that are out there for you. And so a lot of people miss out on life because they're focusing on that one little area of what they can see in front of them. I love what Ali says, I'm a big Muhammad Ali fan. Right. Big Muhammad Ali fan. And he says some people can see further than others. He also says that a man who sees life at 50 as he did at 25 wasted 25 years of his life. And so that's vision, man. That's all about vision. And that's that vision. And what I call military. Right. That over the horizon vision. Right. Where you got to be able to see when the, when the world stops, when everything, your vision in front of you is gone, you have to be able to see that in here. And that's what life's puzzle, the problem that life puzzle, life's puzzle presents, right? It doesn't come with the pretty picture design patterns, instructions. It don't tell us how many pieces we need to put it together the way that we want it to put together, right? And so we got to figure that out. And if we're around the wrong people, if we're listening to the wrong people, if we're taking the wrong advice, if we're following the wrong examples, we can get lost too. We're trying to put somebody else's puzzle together and we're not happy. We're trying to figure things out and we're all over the place because we're following over here, over here and over here. And we don't know where it is, who we are. And it starts with who you are. You're the main puzzle piece. And that's what, as we come back with season two, you talked about one momentum shift. Like I said, we're all just one step away from creating an opportunity to get our momentum shift shifted in the direction that we want to go. Right. And so, as I come back with season two of One Momentum Shift, the mm -hmm. big focus is going to be on amping it up, right? I call it amp it up, the ability to think and act in a manner to amp it up, right? AMP, amplifying your actions, right? But it's more about adjusting mindset and perspective. So you have to take a look at where we're talking about assessing your life, right? When I tell you to look at where you are right now, that's the opportunity to assess your life, assess your performance, assess your production, because that's what life is about, producing, right? If you're somewhere where you're you're not happy right now, you're not producing something, right? There's something you're missing, right? You're not performing somewhere to get things going. And so that's what we need to change if we want to get that momentum shift that we want in life, right? We want to get things going. So we had to tap in right in here, right in between the ears, 
to figure out what it is we bring to this world, right? What gift we bring to this world. I love what Martin Luther King says. He says, uh, being a personal value is very important, right? And I won't go through the whole speech, but I love it when he talks about, he said, if you're gonna sweep streets, sweep streets like Michelangelo painted, right? The Sistine Chapel, right? That was, right? So uh, I love that, man. So whatever you do, you better do it to the best of your ability, but you have to figure out what it is that you do. You know, people laugh at me. You always tell them, you know, look, I'm a teacher, I'm a coach. And I, when I, and they laugh, the laughing part comes when I tell them I'm a farmer, right? <laughs> so it's like a farmer, you know, a farmer, what's that got to do with a teacher and a coach? Well, like I said before, there's people that I'm going to talk to that it's just not, they're just, I'm not there to teach them. They're not ready to learn, right? They want help, but their, their ego and their pride won't let them allow them to ask for help. Mm -hmm. Right. And some of them, they're just not ready to learn yet. And then they're definitely then there are those who aren't going to put forth the effort, regardless of what you say. But for those individuals, my job is just to plant seeds, provide you with the information to let you know, hey, man, sooner or later, it's going to come a time when what my mom used to say, and I'm going to say it like my mom used to say, shit will get off the pot. It's like that. Right. So you're going to be running around whining and crying. There's a time where you're going to have to stand up and be a man and face what it is you're facing, what it, right? Stand up and face whatever challenges you're out there. And so I just plant seeds, man. That's why I say I'm a farmer. I plant seeds and I'll run into you. And I love, hey, you want to come out? You say, I love, love it when people say, I say, I always say, hey, how you doing? And they go, oh, I'm doing all right. I can't complain. Nobody listen to it anyway. I tell them all the time, I'll let you complain. But my next question to you, what are you going to do about it? And that's yep. how I feel with my coaching sessions, cool, yeah. everything. Yeah. What are you going to do about it? So that's the key, man. You know, I, I, I don't want to, I, I was it Les Brown say, he said, he said, why go around and complain? And he said, 20 people don't care. 20% of the people don't care. The other 80% glad as you, right? We got our own things. Everybody's got their own things going on in life. But if I come, if I see you every day, I know this one individual, I see them, Every time I see them, I say, oh, here we go. It's coming. And as soon as they come, as soon as they come, hey, how you doing? Well, they did this to me. Well, they stopping me from doing that. Well, I can't do this. Well, well, well. Yeah. I'm like, wow, okay. All right, so what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to do nothing because it's not yeah. me. It's them. Well, okay, well, all right, good talking to you. And and until you realize yeah. that you play a part in the decision-making that you uh, – the decision-making process that keeps you where you're at in life, you're going to always be running around and telling people, well, it's not me, it's them. <laughs> Absolutely right. Because when you're asking them what they're going to do about it and then they're saying nothing, they're making a decision not to make the decision to do anything about it. So therefore you're going to attract more of it to you because you're just putting yourself in that, in that place where it's coming yeah. at you. Right. Now I've got, I've got to mention on the side here, you got a lot of love here, Eric. I tell you, you got, uh, oh, Crystal, really? Cheryl, Ariana, Chris, <laughs> Andrea, Pamela, they're all watching. They're all hey, watching. what's going on, everybody? Love you guys. I've Thank got to you get this for, one for tuning in. I really appreciate Ariana, that. Stay oh, oh, man. Uh, that's my, that's my uh, youngest daughter right there, man. Uh, you talking about a hunger for that's the awesome. hustle? Man, 15 years old. So that was one person I was really able to motivate. Was really cool um but yeah 15 years old she loves to bake and at 15 years old she said this is what i want to do and she found a way to do it i love like i mentioned earlier i love the book 
power of broke because the power of broke by Damon John is always about or is all about finding a way to make it happen when you don't have the money to do things. Right. right. And so she would find ways to get classes. She would find ways to teach herself. And now she was working at a bank. She left the bank right before this COVID and she started working at home, but she's still doing things. And I love it. Grant Cardone sitting in the meetings with him. He says it's important to be able to expand during times like these when everybody else is contracting. Right. Mm-hmm. When everybody else is going to what I call into that turtle turtle shell. Right. Everybody's in that shell. What was me? They're trying to hide. But you have to step out and you have to start doing things because there's an opportunity in the problem. A true dissectologist, somebody who loves to solve puzzles, identifies and embraces the opportunity in the problem. And if you're not doing that, if you're not willing to problem solve, if you're willing to run around and dodge all your problems, man, you're going to miss out on so much of your life. I look at I saw this piece the other day other day on, like I said, I'm a big football fan. And I love the SEC conference. I'm a Georgia Bulldog fan. Go dogs. And so uh, <laughs> they were Go doing ahead. a piece on um, the Tennessee Vols had a player in 1978, the first black quarterback to step on the field and start for an SEC team. His name was Conrad Conridge. I'm going to say his name wrong. Conridge Holloway. Right. His nickname was the Artful Dodger. This dude got this name because on the field on one play, they said all 11 players of the Georgia Tech football team had an opportunity to tackle him and he scored a touchdown still. And so that's how many people are when it comes to problems. They don't see the opportunity in them and they won't face them. And so they're running around juking and giving them the Heisman. And they're missing out on opportunities to solve the problem and to be able to move to the next level. You know, when and I like what uh, <laughs> I like what uh, uh, Norman Vincent Van Peel, the author of uh, Think uh, Thinking Positive, right, or Positive Thinking. <clears throat> excuse me. He talks about how the only people in this world or the only people on this planet that don't have a problem are located in the cemetery. Right. So if you have a problem, be glad that you have a problem because it's op- it's the, what you should be looking at it is an opportunity as a test. And that's what helps me get through it. So, uh, man, <laughs> I like that. I like that. That's very good. Well, great way to adjust your thinking, isn't it? It if is. You got man. One, I'm glad that you got one because you're still here to be able to actually have one. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we got, everybody's got a problem, man. Everybody, as my friend Chuck Smiley Jr. says, he's a, a owner of Goliath gear. And he says his motto is, what's your Goliath? You know, so everybody has that big monster waiting on them that they have to face, whether it's a true fear or one that they created in their mind. But they've got to figure out how to get by it to get to the next level in life, to put their pieces, puzzle pieces together. And their ability to face that will determine how soon they get going or to determine how long they stay stuck. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I agree with that. And um, yeah, it's a sentiment I share with you wholly and completely, brother. I was just, yeah. I was just thinking about I got lost in thought there for a second as you were describing it to me because you painted such a good image in my head. <clears throat> Eric, if you were to give me three hot tips for someone who sees the opportunities in these times but doesn't know how to seize them, you know, someone who's 
got an idea, an idea, maybe a business they want to start, they want to go for it. Three hot tips on getting just getting started. Well, it goes back to my conversation with Sean Trice back in 2004. Just do it, man. And it's confirmed by everybody that I've gotten a chance to sit down with. Les Brown, uh, John uh, Tellerico, uh, Lisa Nichols says the same thing. Grant Cardone, Jesse Itzler, I can name all these individuals. And every one of them, Ty Lopez said it today. Every one of them said, look, just do it. Just get out there and do it. Don't try to figure out this elaborate plan to go out and do it because you end up staying stuck. Grant Cardone calls it staying, uh, getting stuck in the mechanics. You go out there and get in the game, then you figure out what to do. I think the quote that Ty used today was uh, by Napoleon, and it was face the enemy and then figure out the plan, right? So you figure out what, what's out there. Because a lot of times you start creating this huge monster in front of you, right? That's through the mind, right? And you get out there and find out, oh man, that wasn't even how it worked. That wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Oh, wait a minute. I was trying to prepare, 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 but I'm already this far. I'm You're good, yeah. right? You might have bounced it out of a model. <laughs> I mean, I got a chance to sit down. So when I decided this is what I was going to do, I got a chance to sit down with who, the woman who's now my coaching, uh, my life coach, uh, Megan Lobs. She's a doctor from uh, Harvard. She's um, um, always, always messed this up, right? But it's all about behavior therapists, right? And so I got a chance to sit down with her. And she said, look, I want to know what you're thinking. I'm going to know what the content is you're working on, and maybe I can help you. I'm like, okay, um, I'll get that to you. I'm thinking, I got a high school diploma, right? She got Harvard behind her name. I don't think I'm smart enough. And I give her this, and she's been studying the brain and behavior. She's going to go, whoa, this is wrong, that's wrong. You need to throw this crap out. I don't know what you're talking about here. <laughs> but I sat with her, and I shared with her my information, how I, and I presented it to her, and I sat and talked with her, and she was like, wow this is inspirational. I like this. I like where you're going here. And she encouraged me to continue on. And if it wasn't for her and Trish Martinelli, someone else who supported me, my wife has been a huge, ha <laughs> ha, still funny, man. So back in 2004, I told you, my wife was like, babe, you can do it. You can be like, oh, I don't want to hear it. Don't. I'm sitting in the car with my wife and we're driving and one of her friends calls and, she, and her friend is just going through, through things right there. Emotionally, she's a wreck. And I'm listening to my wife. Well, you have to get your mindset right. And what you need to do is change the way you're thinking. And you need to focus on the things that you need to do. Or don't worry about those things you can't, can't fix, right? And I'm looking over here. I'm like, who is this? Oh, my. <laughs> uh, can't see the picture when you're in the frame, right? Yeah, man. So whatever you're doing, just get out and do it. You're going to impact the lives. We go back to that puzzle. Your puzzle will be a meta puzzle. Meta puzzle reaches out into different aspects of, I don't know, enigma, enigmatology, right? Right. So it reaches into puzzles can reach into different puzzles. So your puzzle reaches into the lives puzzles of other people, right? The lives puzzle of other individuals. And so you just got to get out and do it. I know I drug that out, but so that was, that was one, just get out there and do it yep. Two, be able to self-talk. Self-talk is huge because there are going to be people to tell you to go out and just do it. And they're going to say, whatever you do, I'm right behind you. I'm here for you. Give me a call. But I guarantee you, when you need them, 
they're going through their own things and you got to figure out how to get through what you're getting through. So you have to be able to talk to yourself. Like I said, I'm a big Ali fan. I listen to motivational videos every day. I listen to something that's going to inspire me, whether it's an audio book, something. And so I, I do that. And then self-talk wise, man, I come up with this something. I, I use four words, unlimited, unconquerable, relentless and victorious. Because I know I have an unlimited potential. I have an unconquerable mindset. I'm relentless in spirit. And that's why I'm always victorious because no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. And that's the way I believe and that's the way I operate. So that's the way I push myself. And then you got to separate yourself from those individuals who are not doing anything. That is key because if my mom always said, <laughs> my mom always said, if you have, you're hanging around nine broke people, I guarantee you, I know who the 10th person is going to be. And of course, you're like, oh, mom, you don't know what you're talking about. But she's true. She, it's right. Moms are always right. All right. So um, when you're hanging around with those individuals, you, you and most of the time you have the same income level. Right. That are hanging around. So how can you get to the next level? Right. If your mind is over here where you want to accomplish something in life that nobody's ever done in your neighborhood. How are you going to get there relying on the opinions of those who aren't doing anything? So it's very important to step your game up. I say that a lot, too. You know, in sports, when you have have uh, an individual who's performing well and they move them up to from JV to varsity. Right. And he's one of few, but he was killing it on the JV level. Right. But now he's playing varsity and the things he was doing at the JV level. You can't get you can't get by with that on the varsity level. Right. The way you're thinking and everything else, you have to step your game up. And so that's how you get better. You have to step your game up at each level. Man, it is so tough to remind yourself to do that and to keep the discipline to do that. Man, whoo, I fight with it all the time, especially in in uh, working out. <laughs> Oh yeah, yeah sure. I, I'm pretty sure I gave you a lot, man. Uh, I just, yeah, good. I like, I like, man, I like the value. I like the value. I got some, I got something else here. I got a show. Yeah, you were just talking about your mom as well. So the time there is absolutely man, dude, man. My my parents, um, you know, uh, we weren't rich. My parents split it when I was four, and we went through some things, man. And my mom tells a story of. I'm not I'm not tearing up the air conditioning is is hitting my eyes. So don't worry about that. So <laughs> but um my mom, man, awesome woman. And uh, she found a way to make things happen, man. And so uh man, this air conditioning, whoo, it's bad. And so uh, <laughs> she found some ways to make things happen, man. And I watched her go from cleaning people's houses and Working at the railroad at night and wow, play time, play time, bro. <clears throat> we got to get this air conditioning now. But, she worked her butt off, and she she would take that mindset, man, to get better in life, so she could take care of us. <laughs> And she eventually made it to running the housing authority in the in the uh, town we're from, Danville, Illinois. And so I'm very proud of her. And it's funny because we we would struggle, man. And uh, she would come home from. Uh... <laughs> I remember the day she came home, and she had groceries, right? And, and it was food. I can't quote that, right? And so uh, she brought out this box of cheese, 
We're like, what is that? All right, cool. It's cheese. Then she brought out this thing of bologna, right? This big old roll of bologna. Anybody ever had that is wrapped in red. And um, that was cool. We're cool with that because we're big eaters. My brother and I are big eaters, so we're cool with that. Yeah. And then she brought out this powdered milk. And we're like, man, we're not trying to eat no, drink no powdered milk. You can that, whatever, right? We want real milk. And so my mom, like I said, she found a way. And we didn't learn until, what, this year? When we started doing Zoom calls during this quarantine, she said, Eric and Chris, she said, uh, y'all remember that powdered milk? I said, yeah. Y'all said y'all wasn't going to drink it? I said, yeah. She said, well, every night y'all went to bed, I would go mix up that powdered milk, pour it in the <laughs> container, and y'all drink it the next day. <laughs> she got you good? She got yeah, you good. man. We didn't know the difference. We didn't skip a beat. And then my dad, man, my dad, um, I've always looked up to my dad. My dad and I, like I said, we all had issues and things when they remarried we went through a whole lot man um wow you're talking about blending families and being able to go through that and to bring, keep your family together and not divorce and although you know not divorce from your children man that is a dev that is a tough thing and then you got whoo man i could talk your head off for days for that but my dad um high school diploma and he worked went from the warehouse to being the training uh, lead in, in, in at Heister Forklift Company. And he retired after 43 years. And he worked on the warehouse, man. He did different things. He just found ways to make it happen. So I always said my work ethic came from them. When people ask me how, how I do it every day. I get up 2.30 in the morning. I try to get my workout in. If I'm not getting my workout in, I'm doing something to, 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 to enhance this mind, right? And so I get up and I go to work eight hours. And I work four hours after that. And then I come home, I get time with my family and I'm working on becoming a better speaker, whatever my business I'm trying to do. And so um, that's what I do. I put the work in and that's I learned that from my from my parents. So I'm glad that my mom and dad were able to make it on. I'm glad to have always had them in my life, even though we went through the things that we went through. I'm so I'm really glad yeah. to watching this and all of your family are watching this we've never had a call like this before where <laughs> well, i really in. appreciate everybody i'm still a lot of i'm oh, sorry i said i really appreciate them watching i know it's sunday night there and yeah i just really appreciate anyone who watches the show it's awesome yeah man i'm pretty sure they're gonna rag me for because of my, <laughs> air, my air conditioning coming down but it's all good man it's all good oh, no, like, yeah so one of the things that, you can, you can tear into him later. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. So, you know, one of the things I try to focus on when I go out and I talk to people, I let them know, you know, um, people look at me and I found it when I went and mentored the high schools as well. People tend to look at me and they they look at me and they say, well, you've never gone through anything. You You come from a rich family. I don't know why they think that just by looking at me. But they do. I remember getting in a discussion with uh, that. I coached high school football for a year, volunteered right uh, for some some time. And I'm sitting there with the head with the coach and his assist, other assistants. And they're talking about fried bologna cheese and government uh, grill uh, fried bologna cheese sandwich, government cheese grill sandwiches. And and I'm like, y'all, man. Yeah, that was stuff was good. And they looked at me. And, uh, Coach, he never had no government cheese and government bologna. I'm like, man, whatever, right? <laughs> I don't know why, but that's, you know, but I have to overcome that hurdle when I go out and I talk to people because they don't believe I've ever done it. They think I come from money. I don't know why, but hey, you know, but 
that's something I always have to overcome. But why don't we connect, man, when they understand that I'm only there because I want to help. And that's that's something I've always wanted to do is help others. And I don't get I love my job. I enjoy my job. I busted my butt to be able to go do what I do on the government side of the house. I worked as a uh, yellow shirt aircraft direct director in the hangar deck for 12 hours. I would get off from there and I'd go upstairs and I start training to learn another job so that I could do what I'm doing today. And so I love that job. I truly do. But I don't have the inner joy that I get when I go out and I help those who are standing there trying to figure things out and they're frustrating and they're acting out, um, busting doors down, cussing and yelling at teachers and exploding, you know, and I know what it's like. I've been there. So I just try to help them understand that it's 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 only a season, right? It's only a season, but you have to start changing your mindset and the way you're thinking because what you find is that when you give up your power like that, when you allow others to control you, you can end up in some bad places. So for sure, for sure. Absolutely. Now I'm gonna hit you with some just quickly actually I want to touch on it. You're a boxing fan, right? Big time, man. Big time. So what, what are your views on the Tyson fight coming up with Roy Jones Jr. in November? What do you think about that? I was following that, man, because I loved them both. Roy Jones Jr. was a bad dude, man. That dude has some hands. He can throw, man, when you're talking about, I used to love it. He put his hands behind his back and he'd do what he called the rooster, right? And the dude couldn't hit him. The dude could not hit him. And then you got Mike Tyson who could throw four power blows in a matter of a second and it just rearrange your organs. I mean, that's just devastating, man. So I didn't want to see them fight. And I'm, I actually believe they, they canceled it. But if they do go at it, uh, it's just going to be something in something to watch, man. So I, be, I believe they readjourned it because it was going to be in September. Okay. And then I believe it's been it's been postponed now. No, it's been readjourned to November. I hope it happens. I hope it happens. I'd love to see yeah. it happen. I My understanding is they're not going to be fighting to knock each other out. It's just going to be more of a sporting thing, but. Yeah, it's probably great to see men of that age with such history in the game fight, right? Hey, I don't know, man. Mike Tyson hit that light switch, might go off, and hey, you never know what you get from Mike. That's kind of why I want to see it, though. <laughs> That's kind of why I want to see it. Mike <laughs> keep it edge or just lose it. It'd be like Muhammad Ali said he would do to uh, uh, George Frazier a black satellite. <laughs> Uh, well, gonna, we got we got about a minute left here before we run out of time, but we fire questions before we go. All right, brother. Do you believe in aliens? <laughs> uh, no, but I think I know some at work that this walking. No, I'm just kidding. No, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> what is your fear? My fear, man, is leaving this world without being able to help someone figure things out for themselves, not being able to pass along the information that I've been able to, to learn and share to, and share that with my, my grandchildren. I got six grandchildren now, I love them to death. It is an awesome thing. All I do is feed the beast, whatever they do, but um, being able to share with others, man, that that's the big key. That's, that's my mission now, man. I, I have no other mission, but to go out and help others figure things out, man. And and if I just go out and talk to them and plant the seeds as a farmer, then that's what I do. Right. And then one last one. What's your favorite movie? 
I'm interested to know. Ooh, man. I love Pursuit of Happiness. I'm a big fan of the Pursuit of Happiness. Good choice, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then, of course, anything Denzel. I'm a big fan of Denzel. Oh, yeah. so. yeah. I was had uh, Eric Ferrer on the other, the other day. Yeah. And he was his favorite Denzel as well. I didn't even know that Denzel did key, keynote speeches. Yeah. Oh, he gave a graduation. Wow. He, yeah. he quoted that as well, which surprised yeah. me. Yeah, he's a bad dude. And then, of course, Ali, the movie, is, is, is inspiring as well. So I, I get a lot into the documentaries i get a lot into um the underdog man i love to see the underdog succeed and that's just it's a, it's a beautiful to see that because that lets you know that it's possible to be able to accomplish whatever it is you set out to do regardless of what other people think and what other people are telling you man no matter where you come from man when you look at i saw a piece with christopher gardner the pursuit of mr pursuit of happiness himself and he talked about she, being in Chicago, growing up in Chicago with Oprah, and he, he knew Oprah and he knew Barack. Think about that, man. You know, he talks about where they came from. And he said when, when Barack told him, they're in the gym, and Barack told him that he was going to be the president of the United States, he's just, all they, all they didn't skip a beat. It's like, okay. And then they, and they just <laughs> kept going on. So it was, it, it was cool, man. So, yeah. All right, before we head out, I've got to get some more of these comments up on the screen because they're just full of love, man. Is that, that, is that your brother, yeah? Oh, man, that's my man. That is my man. So yeah, that's, that's my wife there, my brother, Chris, man. He's an inspiration as well. Uh, yeah, you know, my brother and I, man, sometimes we only had two pair of pants, mine and his, and we just rocked it. You know, we just did our thing. My daughter, Alexia, Fuel the Beast, that's right. Yeah, it's <laughs> uh, my dad. Oh, my dad's listening in too. So we'll that's cool. this one. Chris Collier, bad boys for life. Yeah, that is, that is, <laughs> you know, that's the dude that really changed my life, man. Because I always said I wasn't getting married and I wasn't gonna have any kids. Well, actually, my wife changed that first, and then he came second. But that really, when he when we found out she was pregnant with him, man, golly, you talking about? Whoa, I gotta change some stuff here, man. So. If it wasn't for him, it would be it'd be interesting where I would be right now as well. Mm, it's a journey I'm looking forward to. I'm telling you, you know. Yeah. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that chapter of my life. <laughs> Eric, it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on, man. We could talk for hours, Rob. we got to have you back on. Oh, man, um, I'd love to. After we go off live as well because there's a, there's a quick project I want to talk to you about and have you involved in. Okay. But, uh, that's, that's bye for now for everyone. Right, man. Thank you, everybody. I appreciate it. Thank you. Absolute pleasure to have you, sir. Absolute pleasure. for you. Join us tomorrow around the, exactly the same time we start today. We've got Janet McKay on. Oh, the, the drip that rips. Oh, the drip that rips. You know that one. If you know what I'm talking about, log in tomorrow. If you don't, then log in anyway. You're in for a treat. Thanks, everyone. Enjoy your evening, your day, wherever you are, whatever you do. Thank you for watching. <laughs> Woo!